Well, good evening. I love that. And I'll tell you what, it makes me want to get on a Harley and just ride out of here, doesn't it? I mean, that music is awesome. <laughs> well, my name, as you heard, is Michaela Vernal, and I am proud to call myself the wife of the senior minister here, Craig. And, and I also have the privilege of being able to minister here at Bethlehem Baptist Church on the team full-time as well. So we also have three kids together, and they are all following Jesus Christ passionately. So I am truly blessed. But tonight, we're starting a new series called Fire Stories. Now, Fire Stories, if you're wondering what they are, are the moments where God has set alight a people a movement and individuals throughout history to show that God's faithfulness is still alive and well today. We know that these stories are going to encourage you guys to step out beyond yourselves and actually see God in a new light. Because guess what? He hasn't changed. We're going to see how history has, set, has been set aflame by a powerful God and he can still do it today. You know, I find that it's so easy to be forgetful. We get so focused on today's problems and tomorrow's fears that we forget yesterday's victories. That's a Colin quote. Whether it's 100 years ago or, even, or just even in our own history, when we forget our stories, we lose our imagination for tomorrow. These stories are our treasure, our taonga. And we need to remember to look forward to our futures. But Māori have a saying, kamua kamuri, walking backwards into the future. We so often talk about the future of the church and the need to adapt to new realities. And I would be among the first to say amen to this. And it says in Philippians 3, 12 and 7 to 17, it states this really clear, clearly, and it's one of my favorite verses. And it says this, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. I love that scripture. But it, all, but it also seems to me that we must hold on to the kamur, the kamuri, the insights that we should move forward facing backwards. <laughs> Remembering what has gone before also. We can't see the future, just as we can't see where we're going when we walk backwards. <laughs> but we can allow ourselves to be guided by those who have gone before and what they learnt along the way. I mean, really, why reinvent the wheel? Why would you? You know, I'd rather learn through other people's mistakes and other people's journeys than trying to work it out myself the hard way, wouldn't you? Well, tonight... We're starting by bringing it home and remembering our own BBC story. Now, I can't go into a whole pile of stories. We don't have time tonight for them all. But I can give you just a little bit. So, the journey so far. Bethlehem Baptist Church. 
we have a promise line underneath that Bethlehem Baptist Church. And it's a, it's, a, it's a saying, it's a promise line that came about many years ago, and it's called, Where New Hope is Born. And that promise line became very true for us as a church, where people came through our doors and received new hope, love, acceptance, but most of all, grace. And many of you here tonight will have known that. BBC's journey is one of trust and obedience. Has that come up? Oh, here we go. Trust and obedience, faith and prayer, and sacrifice. And hopefully tonight I can share just a little bit. But we wouldn't be where we are today without standing on the shoulders of the giants that went before us in this church. 33 years ago, there was a small group meeting in a home in Whakamarama, which is way out that way, <laughs> towards Omakaroa. And they were members of Otomoto Baptist, which meets in Otomoto, under a pastor named um, Paul Grimmer. They had a dream. I love that saying. They had a dream <laughs> to plant another church closer to where they lived with the hope that they could reach out more into their community, seeing more people become followers of Christ. And so in 1985, a church was started in the Tapuna Memorial Hall, a little hall which is no longer there because of the roundabout. <laughs> there were 12 families only 12 families that committed to this plant. And they spent time praying and seeking God's setting up and packing down every Sunday. And it's in that place, the volunteering and serving became one of the foundations of the church even today here. But they also continued to meet monthly every Sunday night back in Whakamarama where prayer became a stake in the ground for this little church. It was a crazy, crazy exciting times. And I remember when Craig and I first became Christians, we turned up at the Tapuna Hall because that's where we lived. And um, it was amazing. There was just so much God stuff going on. But they started to outgrow the Tapuna Hall. And four years later, yep, only four years, in 1989, along with the support of Otomoto Baptist, they moved the plant to the Bethlehem Hall and called Pastor Tom Frew, his wife Eileen, and Mike and Sally, their, their children. This same year, Bethlehem Baptist Church was officially born and became independent of the mother church, Otomodai. Tom was an evangelist, and he started coming along, back along here to Bethlehem um, in his retirement, and it was so lovely seeing him here this morning. But he had no fear. This man, who was in his 80s now, had no fear of going around the neighborhood and knocking on doors. And along with an intern called George Adams, the two of them made connections with the two marae here in Bethlehem. And some of those families are still with us today. Tom pastored the hall, pastored in the hall for six years. And in that time, the church bought a piece of land down on Moffat Road. This group of 150 people had foresight, the courage and the faith to believe that Bethlehem Baptist Church was here to stay and that the church was going to build. 
But at the end of that six years, Tom realised that he felt called again to resume his national and international role as an evangelist. And um, the church decided to send out spies to check out a young couple who had originally been sent out by Otomaro Baptist Church three years before, who were only 30 years old, with three children, and just finishing up at Kerry Baptist. It's a theological college up in Auckland. And the day the spies arrived in Auckland um, to sneakily hear this young guy preach because he'd helped plant a church in Albany, they wound up at the wrong church. But tracked the, this young couple down, and so the journey began for Craig and I to come to Bethlehem. Don't we look different? <laughs> that is just so bad. <laughs> And there is Taylor, who's now this big. <laughs> um, I clearly remember the interview. It was, it was really funny. There, were, there we were sitting with the call committee, which included the elders, <laughs> and they were a bit concerned that we were so young and a bit green behind the ears. There was one man, Cedric Hart, and, um, who was a bit unsure about hiring us. He'd prayed to God the night before, saying, Lord, I want to look into Craig's eyes and know that he is the right man for this place. He'd already told the group by the time we'd come and, and met them all. But on the coffee table, as we were all sitting in a circle, as you do, um, was one of the most beautiful vases of poppies, beautiful fresh poppies. And it blocked the view for people to see everyone. And Craig, after a couple of questions, he stood up and he grabbed the vase and he looked at Cedric straight across from him and said, excuse me, I'm going to move this vase because I can't see your eyes. <laughs> that did it for Cedric. He was the man. <laughs> he got his answer. You know, we were at such an eclectic church um, with people from all walks of life. But Craig started by bringing book after book of the Bible, teaching and not being afraid to miss out any of the tough scriptures. But his biggest gift was teaching on the absolute grace of God. You can tell I'm a biased wife. <laughs> but we saw people being transformed and healed, and we saw outreach into our community grow both, both locally and internationally. In 1997, the church had grown to the point where we were way over the limit of what the hall could hold legally. I think we were getting the fire department coming down on us quite hard, actually. And we'd reached a number of about 350 to 400 people, 400 souls in our church. And we realized we needed to build on the purchased land. Development in those days had just started um, in Bethlehem, and it was pretty fast growing. Um, and for a variety of reasons, the church felt that the land the church owned um, became unsuitable for our needs. Um, so spies were sent out again. We're into spies here in this church, I tell you, but it's true. Two men who have remained with us, are still with us, although Cedric passed not so long ago. Um, Cedric Hart and Merv Hunger they went out to scope out the land in Bethlehem, which was currently on the other side of the road, which is the Bethlehem Road side of the main road. And as they were walking one day, 
um, a man, a Mr. Strang, stepped out onto the road from his orchard and they got talking. He wanted to sell off a piece of his orchard, but in those days you couldn't do it because orchards needed to be of a certain size. And, but these men, however, went to the council and looked through all the bylaws and they found out that he could chop off a piece of his land for religious purposes. You can imagine that law's changed now since we did it. But anyway, <laughs> it happened for us. And so we came to be here at 90 Bethlehem Road. We increased our land size and we paid off the mortgage at the same time on the original site, which is now the Bethlehem Motor Lodge. That was our first piece of land. And to be honest, it was absolute divine intervention as far as I'm concerned. So the 350 people began the process of faith and prayer and sacrifice to raise enough money to start building. And so, in 1999, building started and was finished in November 2000. You know, there were many, many stories of how such a small group of people managed to pull together enough finance to make this happen. And we saw lots and lots of little miracles. But there was one that stands out. Craig, unfortunately, had become quite ill and he'd ended up in the hospital having to have quite a serious operation. Um, we were renting a house out by Tapuna Beach and just after he'd come out of hospital, he was resting up and, and when he decided he needed to just stretch his legs, so we walked down to the beach. As we got to the beach, we noticed that suddenly there was, you know, there's a lot of yachts that are parked out um, in the channel there a yacht broke away from its mooring. The rope had just completely snapped and the tide was going out. And if any of you have seen the tide go out at Tsipuna in that channel, it goes out fast. And that boat was hoofing it out really fast. So I got on the phone and I rang the Coast Guard. Mm, nothing they could do. So Craig decided to go swimming, stitches and all. I know. You know, those ropes, they're really thick like this. And so it must have been in that water for a very long time for it to have broken. But Craig went swimming and he managed to um, cut across and get that boat and grab the rope that was just hanging off that yacht. It was a big yacht. Don't ask me how many feet. I can't think like that. <laughs> um, but he grabbed that rope and he put that rotten, stinking rope in his mouth and gritted it with his teeth and swam the boat to shore. Ugh. Didn't kiss him for a day after that, but anyway. <laughs> um, I, as you can imagine, I was freaking on shore, but this car drove down the hill to the Bethlehem beach, and out came two people, a husband and a wife, and they were looking around, and they were looking over to where the boat had been amongst all the other boats, and and they were sort of shaking their head and going, what? And I went up to them and I said, um, did you lose a boat? Um, and they go, well, yeah, where's our boat gone? And I went, it's there. And meanwhile, Craig was sort of dragging himself <laughs> through the mud to um, after he'd beached the, the boat. Well, the long and short of the story is that this man owned one of the biggest concrete firms <laughs> in Tauranga. And he was so grateful that he gave the um, base of this church for cost, just for the price of the concrete. 
So as stories like that, I mean, that's not coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence. I believe in divine coincidence. And it's stories like that that saved us so many thousands of dollars that we could build this church. It was only a year later that we again did another building appeal and built the children's wing, which is now called the South Wing, so that the kids didn't have to walk down to school anymore. Bethlehem Baptist Church was here to stay. You know, we continued to grow. God had his hand of blessing upon the church. We're at the stage of about 650 people. Craig was starting to burn out and realize, oh, we need some more staff. And so um, the elders came and asked me to come on board, and I started in pastoral care and connecting people. And Campbell Hill came on as youth pastor, and Yvonne Barnes was the office manager. And together as a team, with lots of volunteers in the church, we started our large outreach events like Easter Journey, which some of you may remember, and A Night Before Christmas, and other really big events to help our community realize that Christians weren't all nutters. Christine Hill, she then became the children's pastor, and so Bethlehem continued to grow as we saw more and more young families come. Through faith, prayer, and trust in God, we often saw healing. Um, one of our congregation members, his name is Neil, was driving a truck and trailer unit, you know, one of those big Mac things, rigs, whatever they're called, <laughs> but his trailer somehow jackknifed and it threw him through his windscreen of the truck head first onto the road. You know, we thought we'd lost him, but he survived. But his brain didn't do so well. Um, he couldn't feed himself. He couldn't do anything. He knew nothing. And he was almost in a vegetative state, but he could communicate a little bit with words. One morning he woke up and he managed to tell his wife that He'd seen two men praying for him with a light, a bright, bright light between them. Four months after the accident, Craig and um, an intern named David Graham went around to see Neil, and his wife told them of his um, dream, Neil's dream, and so they prayed. The feeling that God was so present. Craig said it was like thick pea soup in that the presence of God was so strong, Neil really began to shake. They were a bit worried because they thought maybe they'd sent him into an um, epileptic fit. But it wasn't long, and Neil suddenly woke up. He started speaking. I'm still quite emotional about it, actually, but he started speaking normally. And he asked the guys what on earth they were doing on their knees before him. When they explained the story of what had happened, Neil didn't believe them. It wasn't until they showed him a newspaper with the date on four months after his accident that he finally believed and he turned to his wife and he says, Oh, honey, I'm so sorry I missed Christmas. You know, you can imagine the tears and the joy and when his daughter came home after school that day, he stood up and went to hug her and greet her, and she screamed. She couldn't believe it. And Neil sits with us today. 
He sometimes sits in the cafe um, while the worship's on, but he's always encouraging and always with a huge smile on his face and sharing just what it is that Jesus can do when you have faith and trust in him. Numerous times we've prayed and see God change lives. As I prayed for a woman once, she was healed of epilepsy. And Craig and I have prayed with a number of couples who couldn't have children. But there's so many other stories where people in our congregation have prayed for one another and we've seen healing. And so God continued to grow us. Until six years ago, last week, we opened this auditorium and the West Wing to enable three services on Sundays and to accommodate all the incredible outreach ministries that the people of BBC run, all voluntarily. Recently, I think it was about 18 months ago, over dinner one night, a couple who heard clearly from God, that's what they were saying to us, presented us with a cheque to pay off the church's mortgage. You can't tell me that isn't God. We've also planted a church in Omokaroa, which is now independent, and now we are about to embark on planting the Church of Golden Sands with Colin, who, le- who was leading us in worship tonight, in Papamoa, where land has already been purchased because people heard the voice of God and were generous. These people, all these pictures that you see around us, they're our taonga, they're our treasure. They give of themselves, they give of their finances and their time, sacrificing so much for the sake of you and me and our children and our youth. So what is the move of God at BBC? What is our fire story? We haven't had one big movement or one big story. It's been a collection of many that has made BBC successful. With lots of miraculous stories, stories that can't be anything but God. And it's not about our buildings, but it's about our people. The success here at BBC is the success of our people going about every day serving in our ministries, which constantly sees people come to know Jesus. And some of you are here tonight because of it. It's not just me or Craig or the staff, but all of us. Our greatest fire stories are the ones that are still happening today. The little stories which make up the big, healing, transformed lives, people just walking off the street, like a guy called Sean who was baptised recently. He was from a gang. He just turned up one day and said, I don't know why I'm here, but God told me to come. And you should see the light in his face now. Seeing his life transformed is so rewarding. And there are some of you that have had the same experience here at BBC. Māori believe in tangata and tangata and tangata. The people, the people, the people, the people are our fire story. And when we look back, I see several things, lessons that we must take forward. Trust and obedience. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Many of us know that scripture in Proverbs 3, but what does it mean? God can be trusted. If you think about it, the church should never have sprung up 2,000 years ago. I mean, the motley crew of fishermen who made up the early disciples were anything but promising. I mean, seriously, if you think about it, this was not a group of guys that were in the sure-to-succeed box regardless group. Yet they go on to not only birth the church, but to change the world. He uses motley crew like you and me to bring change also. It's a pretty good reminder that God can be trusted. And if you're willing to hold on to and live by this truth, then you and I can bring it again for this generation. And that's what the generation before us laid out for us. The giants that have gone before us in this congregation laid a solid foundation. As we march into the future backwards, we should do so knowing that God can be trusted to be our eyes into our future. But we need to be obedient. And I'm sorry to say, but there's no shortcut to godliness. It requires obedience. And we get too sidetracked with this world that we're living in. I know it's hard. But I want to tell you today that this life in this world is so short compared to the eternal life that is promised to us. Micah 6.8 says, He has shown all you people what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. There's no way to fast track that, guys. It's one step at a time journey that heads in the same direction. And we should not be diverted from it. Faith and prayer. You know, sometimes faith and prayer, we're bound up by fear. Leave fear behind. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your saviour, and you believe that he came so that we may have eternal life once we depart this world, have faith that he will take that fear. Step by step as you move forward, remembering and learning as you walk backwards into the future. The people of Bethlehem Baptist have done it for years to bring us to the place where we are now. Let's honour our forefathers. We're doing it as well. Matthew 17 says, Because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, and have you guys seen mustard seeds? They're a pinhead. You can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. He can move that mountain of fear. He's done it for me, and I know he can do it for you. And he can take us forward with courage and strength. Guys, God isn't finished with us yet. I know that some of these senior folk who've gone before us at BBC believe that too. He didn't bring us to this place to build these buildings, 
to have us sit comfortably in our chairs and say we've made it. No. No way. We need to have faith through prayer that we can hear the voice of God again and again and again. Until I sat down and did this sermon this week, I'd almost forgotten that. Getting bogged down in the daily slog and grind that I know can be life. It's a four-letter word sometimes, isn't it? You know, but we again have been given an opportunity to explore our future as a church with the offer of another piece of land worth millions. Wow. All I can say is I don't know whether we're going to move forward and move and build again. I don't know that. Or, or, or what's going to happen. But I do know this. We are listening for God's voice and we are trusting that he will show us and he will say it to us again. And I actually, no, I'm going to say this again. God is not finished with us yet. And so, I come to the word, and I haven't put it up there on purpose, sacrifice. Nobody likes that word anymore, <laughs> least of all me. But this is the move of God, that God has been foundational in the life of Bethlehem Baptist Church. So few people got us to where we can sit comfortably in our chairs tonight. You know, we can look around and feel, oh, somebody else will do it. Somebody else will sacrifice their time, their money, their hearts, because I'm too busy just doing or coping with life. If this is what you believe you've been put on this earth for, Guys, you're missing out. Sacrifice is normal. In this age, when we are tempted to think that hardship, struggle, and sacrifice are signs that something is deeply wrong, then look back. Look at the historical Bible stories. It's all about sacrifice. Yet we struggle to bring that into our lives today. Jesus instructed us to take up our cross daily and follow him. In Romans 12, as it says on the screen behind me, it states that we are to place our lives before God as an offering. Craig and I decided to do that when we were 23 years old. And we've had a crazy ride since. Life is certainly not boring because we made a choice. Giving up nearly everything to go to theological college, we would find that we would be scorned, not respected because of our faith. Even some of our family rejected us. And we went through some incredibly hard times. We're not exempt, but we wouldn't change any of it. And we're not going to stop now, even as we get older. I promised God that I was going to do a wheelie into heaven. That's why the Harley is. <laughs> a wheelie into heaven because I would be going so fast, having given my all, knowing that he would take care of me and my family, trusting that he would provide, and he has. 
He has blessed us beyond measure, but not within worldly goods, but in seeing transformed lives because of sacrifice. And so Craig and I will continue to do so. And as Psalm 78 says, we will not hide them from their descendants, and we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, of his power and the wonders he has done. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. They would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. I want to challenge you guys tonight and especially you young ones. What do you want your legacy to be? And guess what? It's not too late to start either. <laughs> what do you want to be remembered for? And dare I say it, what's the inscription that you want to be on your tombstone when we leave this earth? I'm going to follow in the footsteps of the giants that have gone before me. And I want my kids to see Craig and I as being so passionate about Jesus and making him known because that is what counts. Whoops. That didn't work. <laughs> Never mind. Just take it back. <laughs> I'm going to ask you tonight, and I don't ask this often, and I know Craig doesn't either, but will you stand? Will you stand with me? And will you put a stake in the ground of your life now? Are you willing to be obedient, to trust, and to sacrifice, to be a powerful follower of Jesus? Will you stand? with me now as I pray. Lord, I pray for all those that have stood with me with a certainty in their hearts that they want to make a difference for you. Help them to put away their fear and walk backwards into their future with your eyes to the future. I pray that as they step out in obedience, that you will cover them in protection with the blood that you shed on the cross and sacrificed for us, that they may see your great works through them as you use them, Lord. Give them courage, give them strength and a renewed excitement and passion to see your kingdom come here on earth. Jesus, light the fire within them. We know that it can only happen through the sacrifice that they give to open up their hearts and their minds and souls to move more of what you have, Lord. Help them, Jesus, not to be distracted, to not look to the left or right with temptation, but to surge forward with fire in their hearts to bring about transformation. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.